0: Hello and welcome to Supply Chain Talk, my name is Alistair Chariton and I'm your host of today's show. We're going to be talking about the very important topic of improving inclusion and diversity to motivate and retain your supply chain talent and we'll certainly be talking about the problem we have with supply chain talent at the moment. But first of all, I'll explain briefly the format of the day for those that um, haven't uh, uh, viewed one of these shows before. So first of all, we're going to discuss a topical news item um, and I'll bring in my first guest to do that. And then we'll bring in the other guests and then move on to the main topic of the afternoon. Um, You're very welcome to use the chat uh, Q&A panel on the right of your screens to chip in with any comments and questions during the afternoon, during the the, the one hour session. And um, we'll try and answer as many of those as we can, but obviously if the discussion's uh, moving along well, we won't interrupt that too much. So um, if I could perhaps now um, introduce my first guest, Anna Maria Velica, um, sorry, Velica, um, from Green Apple's career. And and Anna, uh, if you'd like to introduce yourself briefly and and then perhaps we can um, bring on the news item.
1: Thank you, Alistair. Uh, First of all, uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, My name is Ana Maria Velica. I'm Romanian. I have two decades of experience and expertise in procurement, supply chain, diversity and inclusion in top organizations in four countries. Um, I'm also a guest um, speaker and lecturer at the University of Sussex in Brighton and recently I decided to leave the corporate world uh, to follow my passion, so I founded the Green Apples Career, a mentoring hub for underrepresented uh, professionals.
0: Great, thank you very much. So so the article we're looking at today is um, from um, focusing on the US and it's looking at the real problem in, in supply chain talent there. Um, I think um, supply chain fawn is going to bring that up now. Um, I can't see that at the moment. Oh, here we are. Yep, great. So um, it's looking at the supply chain talent in the US. And, and while the article focuses on on the US, um, how are you seeing that um, Anna in in the UK and, and other countries that you that you're working with?
1: So it's it's not surprising um, to see a shortage of uh, supply chain talent. Um, especially uh, given the, um, the last uh, years uh, and how hard supply chain was uh, over the last years especially with pandemic so being a supply chain myself uh, a, a leader in supply chain and ensuring and uh, feeding the nation with critical products uh, in pandemic was extremely almost impossible task um, the UK change in legislation, let's do not forget about uh, that, and uh, Brexit brought even more changes in legislation, and that uh, made some of, for example, some of the uh, HGV drivers um, from Eastern Europe to not be able to work in, uh, in the UK. So Brexit working visas also add up some complexity and contribute to this uh, shortage as well as working conditions Um, and we talk about two important values that are very close to my heart inclusion and diversity Uh, the working conditions in many organizations um, are all about improving inclusivity improving diversity improving equity and why is that because there is an underlying problem uh, racism and discrimination So um, from my point of view, these are, you know, the the context in the UK um, more than in other countries. The Brexit and the change in legislation uh, made it even harder to to retain and motivate uh, talent.
0: Yes. Yeah, very much so. And and in the US, in in the article which which was talking about the US, I mean, they they talked about a lot of different problems. One of the things they mentioned was the perception of the supply chain, supply chain industry saying, again, that's, a, that's, that's something that's just not perceived well, not, not understood well, despite all the problems of the pandemic. Again, is that, is that something that you see as being a big, a big issue in trying to recruit people into, into uh, the supply chain industry?
1: I think I, there is a, a slight. Um, uh, my perception is, I see a, a, an increase and uh, a slight increase in the perception of supply chain professionals, um, and they are more w- more perceived as uh, value add professionals than necessary professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the mindset needs to um, uh, to be continuously boosted the mindset needs to be yes we bring value add we are not here just to because the policies require so just because it's critical to ensure supply Uh, we are here also to deliver savings cost efficiencies and to contribute to the top line of the company
0: absolutely the the article again, it t- talked about being a, a real talent shortage at all levels, and it was talking about kind of, I guess, you already mentioned in, in the UK HGV tri- driver problems. The article was talking about the way, obviously, supply chains evolving with more complexity, more systems, more automation, which at a more senior level, people need to to get to grips with. So, interested in your to that perspective there, Anna, you know, are, are you seeing the the supply chain talent shortage? At all levels, or or lower levels, higher levels, where, where are you seeing it?
1: Um, talent of shortage uh, in supply chain. I think it's at all levels. Uh, the most uh, what I see is um, un the uh, unbalanced um, and the the lack of um, female in lead in very senior. Um, uh, leadership positions. So this is what I'm seeing, Um, an overall shortage of uh, supply chain talent However, the more uh, we climb the la- ladder in organization, the less women we, we see. And there are many researches that can uh, back up that data. Uh, and also from my experience, also organizations are making real uh, and are um, trying to, you know, to, to, real, uh, to, to boost the data and to support women. There is a real uh, gap.
0: Okay, it's interesting that. And I guess it sort of it sort of leads on to hybrid working and things like that. I mean, I guess, while some some more junior positions, particularly in supply chain, they're physical positions. You've got to physically be in a warehouse. Having said that, you know, warehouses can be very flexible in terms of shift patterns and whatever. So it can suit um, working families where there's having to balance childcare and so on at a senior level, I guess, you know, like in, in many management jobs, you can work remotely if you can. Are are you seeing much change in supply chain in in, in the working patterns and hybrid working?
1: If we talk about um, office-based roles, yes, I see uh, a real progress. If we think about some roles that cannot be performed from home, such as logistic, warehousing, jobs, Mm -hmm. um, this is where the real challenge for organisation is. And this is where... Uh, HR really needs to partner with supply chain to better support flexibility um, on-site. And this is where the challenge comes, yeah?
0: Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, so, so probably at this point, it might be a, a good time to bring in my other guests, um, who are Liam Costello from Intel and Melanie Sorter from Boom Global Network. So um, uh, welcome to, to both of you. Um, perhaps moving to, to Liam first, um, Liam, what, what, what are your sort of comments? I mean, you're in a, a U.S. organisation, um, but obviously a global one. What, what are you seeing as the, the key issues for supply chain talent and, and so on and, and the shortage mentioned in the article? Oh, you're on mute still.
2: I think up until maybe pre-pandemic, you know, supply chain was kind of, a, you know, seen as kind of the necessary evil of something you had to have there. But, you know, when things got shut down, particularly in, say, in, in even this year, particularly we saw it uh, foremost in, in China. We have a huge distribution center out of Shanghai and that got shut down. You know, it was logistics, supply chain that came to the rescue and sort of, you know, delivered the quarter for us. Um, so the value, people really recognize the value and we see it now uh, in, Product design. Supply chain now is being consulted at a product design phase. Um, whereas before it was, you know, we would be saying, okay, here's the network design, now go make it happen. Where now we're being consulted, hey, you know, from a business continuity perspective and you know, go to market perspective, does this is this supply chain robust enough? It, can it can it deliver? So supply chain has been valued and been brought in. But coupled with that then, you know, we've had to, we're expanding globally. Trying to hire supply chain talent, particularly in the US, the competition is huge. Um, You know, you mentioned, okay about the digitization of supply chain. We're looking for tech savvy people with experience. Um, So trying to marry those two together is very difficult. You know, trying to source that type of of talent and, you know, the competition, in the marketplace is just huge because everyone else is realizing the value of supply chain employees, what they can bring to their organization.
0: Thanks, Ian. Yeah, no,
2: it's it's a real issue there. Um, um, Melanie, what's your
0: perspective on on the shortage of of good supply chain people?
3: There was an interesting uh, question in the the Q&A there from Eshwar saying, is it really supply chain shortage? I mean, because Boone Global Network, we are a global community for women in supply chain, and we ran a survey just over the summer, we just uh, released the report yesterday. And what it shows is that people are just moving. If they can't get what they want, if they're not reaching their ambitions fast enough or they don't feel that they're using their skills, they're just leaving because they're very ambitious. It turns out supply chain people are extremely ambitious. You can't meet those ambitions, people will leave. So give people what they want, make sure they're happy at work and you get that retention. And I think that's more of a migration necessary than a shortage.
0: Uh, okay that, that's a, that's an interesting point which which I guess sort of ties into the the two key things. it's not just recruitment it is retention. Um, mm. you you need to kind of keep keep working to to retain staff. Um, so perhaps Anna, t- t- turning back to you I mean t- you know, kind of in terms of retention you know do you think that's the biggest problem people leaving or just the difficulty of of recruiting people to grow organizations as 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 the supply chain is growing?
1: I think it's both, and I totally agree with Mel. And this is also my own experience from, okay, so my, from what I've seen in, in my former teams and in my experience. Sorry, I don't know why the. So um, yes, it's it, it's both. It's retaining, but also recruiting. Um, Let's do not forget this is a really, really um, supply chain and doing supply chain in these very um, uh, actual times uh, where there is a crisis uh, almost daily. It it's a really, really hard job to do. So to do your job in constant, um, in constant changing times, it's really, um, it requires a lot in terms of well-being, in terms of loyalty, in terms of pay. Um, So the company needs to be to recognize, first of all, the criticality of supply chain, um, the well-being of its employees, as well as how do we incentivize these hardworking people who do your, do their job in very very tough conditions because this is the reality of our economical you know uh, times so how do we incentivize them to stay loyal and grow and stay with the company and this is key because the big um, the big resignation actually shows it's a big reshuffle exactly what uh, Mel said so, people resign, by, but they reshuffle, they go to some other places because good supply chain um, professionals realize okay, I'm going to follow the company who really invests in diverse, inclusive, where I'm not afraid to speak up, where I can be promoted, although I'm black and gay. So, these are real crucial issues. Okay.
0: Liam, sort of, on your perspective from Intel. I mean, Intel. There you are, massive global company, hugely successful leader in its sector. Kind of, do you see? You know, are you seeing the Great Resignation even in as attractive a company as Intel?
2: Yeah, because our one of our challenges from a supply chain perspective, because the global nature of the business. You know, I think Melanie and and Maria what they're saying how difficult it is. We're we're operating operating in a twenty four seven environment, so. Our supply chain people, they could be on early morning calls, late mm-hmm. night calls, and that may not always be conducive to a family environment, um, and it's difficult. So sometimes people can say, because there's such demand there now for supply chain talent, well, I can go to this other company and work a nine-to-five role and get better money. So what's, what's in it for me to stay here with Intel? So that's that's the challenge we're, we're facing. So competing in the marketplace, and um, hiring new talent, and trying to retain the talent we have by giving, you know, okay, trying to understand employees' needs. Okay, well, what do you want to to do to develop? Trying to, you know, give them stretch goals, um, new projects, and to develop the talent that we have. Mm. Yeah, and, and melanie sort of yeah, yeah. We,
3: we, <laughs> i want to jump in there you, you do jump in there. I'd so you <laughs> we just did this report on j- exactly this it's like what does the thriving supply chain professional need to succeed and you know part of that question is what makes you leave and the other part was what what would make you say so what makes you leave is around what i was talking about earlier which is um i'm not progressing in my career as fast as i would like and i'm not using my skills that was over 50% of people said one of those two things but what makes people stay is saying they want to be with a company that invests in their professional development makes it really clear what their career path can be and gives transparency on the criteria for hiring and for promotion so if you can get nail those three things you've got a much much better chance of, of retaining your talent but of course there's just so much room at the top you know it's there's a hierarchy is that shape so there is there's always going to be some some attrition but it's how much can you mitigate that and move you know with a global company move people around the world to get different opportunities
0: yeah yeah no, it's, it, that, that's it is very interesting that how, how that um report, which I think we'll, we'll be sharing the link to it later on, um, how it did show that that it was things like that which are far more important than sort of pay and, and, and compensation. Uh, and Anna, um, think, thinking about that, I mean, sort of perhaps on, on the flip side, because you're obviously you're advising a lot of people on their careers and so on, but you sometimes see people who just have an unrealistic expectation. I mean, there is only so much room as you get higher up the organisation and you've got to have you know real talent and experience and build that up so do people sometimes just have unrealistic expectations to, to expect to be promoted too quickly
1: i would like to say uh, supply chain people are very objective because they are very structural That's true. Um, so but uh, yeah um i think uh, those professionals and experts who do supply chain um they um, truly want to succeed and the career path in supply chain is um, not as developed as it should be Uh, also because supply chain is not well understood and supply chain is perceived as being critical not being as uh, bringing value adds to the top line so i think it's it's a mindset Uh, but also it's a cultural thing. If we look at uh, the UK and uh, the context here, um, there is a historical structural bias that favors certain certain individuals. Um, And uh, this this does not uh, just stand in the way of ethnic minority, um, but women, those uh, with disabilities and others. So what I'm saying is that people are very um, people in supply chain and the talent in supply chain, they are they really want to see um, more transparency in career paths. However, the cultural environment really needs, and the culture of a company really needs to allow that. As long as the transparency is not there, as a as a company culture, um, supply chain as a business unit cannot do much. So this is my view.
0: Okay. And, and, and Liam, in someone like Intel, I mean, obviously a very large structured company with, I'm sure, very good, clear job definitions and so on, would you say the supply chain function has very clear career paths? Would someone know what they're going to be aiming for to get to in a year or two's time as a position?
2: Yeah, so within, within our group, yeah, we have uh, structured career paths, um, but at, as you get to sort of at the higher level of that, so, you know, that can take many different um, uh, different routes. Not everyone wants to be a people manager, for example. Some people want to say, and, you know, particularly we spoke about digitization, and so we have a real need for strong digital people, technical leaders who can take on a large program and lead a large program on a global basis, and that requires in-depth technical knowledge. But that, in itself, allows uh, promotion along a technical career path. And then there's also individuals that maybe want to develop into that people management role. And as we start up new sites, new operations globally, you know that also provides opportunity. So it's about having those honest conversations with the people in terms of okay, well, where are their passions? Where are their strengths? And trying to marry the two of those and put a structure plan in place then with that to, you know, allow them to fulfill their goals.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Liam. So so thinking about one of the key sort of first points, I think we talked about some of the reasons we're losing talent in in supply chain roles. Um, The sort of second point we've got here is how leaders develop a strong, inclusive approach to retain talent um, so, Melanie, uh, you know, what, what do you what do you think leaders need to do to to really have that inclusive approach? You kind of what, what does and you know, and I guess inclusive meaning in terms of um, uh, inclusion and diversity in particular.
3: There's so much here around leadership. It's um, it's quite a tricky one. I think with anything. You know you want to improve diversity, diversity equity and inclusion DE&I, in your organization it's it's got to come to the topic i mean it's the it's the same for anything if you want a company that's focused on sustainability or resilience you know you you need to build that into the d dna of the organization you want to incentivize people on it um you want to have everybody from you know from the CEO going to people working on the manufacturing plant floor to have this idea of, you know, what is our key message around DEI and i and how does it affect me? So it's that's the leadership for anything like this is so important. And without it, you know, you can have pockets of really great DEI. and i but if you want it pervasive in the organisation, it has to come from the top and filter all the way down to the very bottom. And oh, okay, I'll stop there.
0: <laughs> okay, I perhaps was following up on that, though, though, the, the, perhaps with, with you, Melanie, still. But I mean, I, I guess it must be a balancing act because if it's too sort of crude, with too just too loudly messaged, can it can it can it be seen as being sort of false almost? If if the if the if the die messaging is just too strong, or, or kind of, a, so it's a, it's a it must be a balancing act.
3: I think you've got to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. So, you know, look mm-hmm. at the executive board. Is it just white men on it? You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, you know, if, if you are prove, you know, if you can be seen to be doing, practicing what you preach, I don't think you can shout too loudly. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, that would, I think, incentivize a lot of people to want to come and work for you if you, you've got these campaigns out there and it's something that you are shouting about, it's, it's a fabulous thing to be shouting about. Wouldn't you want to be known as, like we've got this amazing product and we have this incredible culture that is welcoming to everybody. That's competitive advantage there.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Anna, I think you, 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 you mentioned it when we were talking before about um, the McGregor-Smith Review uh, a year or two back in the, in the UK, which had some very interesting sort of statistics and, and points about how uh, ethnic minority backgrounds were sort of being included and represented in in sort of management and and other positions. Kind of, what, what do you think are some of the key things to to take away from that?
1: It's interesting, uh, Alistair, because the the review, as you well said, uh, in our preparation session. Uh, Although it was conducted in 2017, the results, we are feeling the results and the big reshuffle and the big resignation is the result of not doing and not applying the recommendations in the UK of of that review. So that review was conducted. um, It's a governmental review. I would recommend our audience um, to, to check it out. It's called Race in the Workplace and um, it's uh, considering the issues affecting black and minority ethnic group in the workplace and it sticks uh, it stucks with me one uh, one opportunity if we all um, are honest are being honest uh, as organizations as companies that we have a problem to fix um, the black minority ethnic uh, talent will be fully utilized and the economy in Britain would receive 24 billion boost,
3: 24
1: million pounds boost. This is incredible, we are in a recession and we are still talking about diversity and inclusion as nice to have because many companies are listed stock exchange listed or because it's nice to have but actually this is it's crucial and we need to stop hiding behind unconscious bias. I see so many um, companies, organizations uh, that are now working with me. Um, Anna, uh, can can you help us pull together a microaggression or unconscious bias? Um, but the, the, the change, it's a structural change. It's not about unconscious bias because companies need to really structurally uh, come up with um, targets, on clear targets on how can we move, you know, um, the organization be a, a truly diverse, a truly inclusive where everyone, Um, feel at their best. As such, the profitability of the company can be to the, you know, um, very high. So uh, too many uh, people and too many uh, organizations, this is what the review says, um, too many people, too many organizations are still very uncomfortable talking about the race and talking about race in workplace. Um, But I think they, if they want to retain talent and they want to really, you know, uh, boost their profits, they need to look at it very um, diligently and very uh, seriously.
0: Yeah, thank you, yeah. Uh, Liam. I mean, you've you've had a long career in in Intel and and I guess you know <laughs> U.S. funded uh, founded um, organization and so on. Have you, how have you seen, you know, those, those, particularly the attitudes, you know, the the unconscious bias, you know, are there, are there definite steps to try and really address that? I mean, it, it can be, you know, where yeah. job applications are not, you can't see the name of the person or the sex of the person applying, things like that can, can help. Um, I, I don't know what sort of things Yeah, you-
2: yeah. No, no, it is. And we, we see it, it's in an everyday and like, you know, it has, you know, I think Melanie mentioned it has started at the top and you have to, you have to see it to be it, you know, so in terms of- the makeup of the, the exec board has changed over the past number of years. We have a new CEO come in. But along with that, we have a new cultural direction that we're embarking on. And, you know, even simple things that like to go hire someone, you have to complete a, uh, a, a, a I can't remember name the course, but basically it's all about your unconscious bias. Mm. to try and take out that unconscious bias. And you spoke as well about the, um, you know, can you, you know, trying to, walk that line between okay do we talk about this or do we not talk about it and we have to talk about it you know so we've put it right out there we set clear goals in terms of what we want to accomplish in terms of hiring um uh, filling senior positions across all different types of minorities uh, women you know uh, different regions so we set all these different goals and you know leaders are then held accountable to to make that happen and even in the tech industry, it's something as simple as, you know, how we design products, you know, that, you know, having that diversity in the design of the products is hugely beneficial. Um, and that's something that, you know, the in- typical engineer into a real engineering company, typical engineer, people associate them with mail. Um, but, you know, having that diversity in the design of the products, because do you know what? Fifty percent of the users of your product are going to be female, but if it's all designed by males, then that's not going to work really well. So, you know, top uh, tops down, but also bottoms up approach in terms of you know how we address it.
0: So yeah, so that bias really does yeah filter through everything. It's not just yeah. it's not just the the people side of things, but thinking about the sort of the the, the having a diverse recruitment and retention policy. Um, I, 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 one of the pieces of um uh, one of the other reports um Melanie that, that you shared with us beforehand and again I think we might get the link hopefully, um was was by Gartner, which seemed to be showing quite good inclusiveness in terms of um representation of women and BME in the supply chain workforce. So how you know how, how do you think those recruitment and retention policies are working? Do you think they are sort of getting there or still a long, long way to go?
3: Uh, yeah. I mean they're not great. <laughs> It's 39%. I mean, Gartner is it tends to be quite North American focused. So I, I've got to put that disclaimer on the data. Um, yeah. It's 39% of the workforce is women, but I think once you get up to senior management, it's about 19%. But then if you look at it for um this is sorry, this is just talking about women, but so um centre and senior chief supply chain officer roles but only one percent of those are non-white women Mm. Mm. it is getting a little bit better I will give you that but we're still a long way from where we need to be which is you know represented all the way through at all levels as you we start off well and then as you go up the hierarchy the number of women and people of colour
0: just Mm. goes up so sorry, what was the question <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about the question. Those are very interesting comments. But I guess I'd be interested to think about and just sort of really moving on to the, the the third point of discussion around as it says on the screen there developing a more diverse recruitment and retention policy. So just interested from your perspective, Melanie, you know, with with all the many, you know, women that you're talking to in the Boom Global Network, you know, are there are there things that they say are the biggest barriers or the biggest enablers to to really help? The, these recruitment and retention policies.
3: There, yeah, I mean, what's lovely is there are actually lots and lots of different things you can do. There's not one mm-hmm. the silver bullet, but there are there's so many things. Um, I'm sorry, I've got a list here. So it's like, you know, you've got your DEI policies. You've got the really interesting gender decoder for job ads. Textio, i found out about recently, which is an app you can put it in and it will de, yeah, de-bias your job ad for you, which I think is fascinating. Um buddying online recruitment that you talked about, Alistair, before about taking away name, and gender, mm. you have, you know, for sort of the or sort of say, let's say more manual lower down in the hierarchy. You don't even have to if, if there's an online uh assessment to be done, you don't need to know the gender. Mm, and mm. or any background of that person so there are ways to do it and i think the key one is the metrics and reports because you don't improve what you don't measure
1: mm. so
3: if people are being incentivized and measured on d and i metrics will improve
0: yes yeah and it's interesting when you talk about just the wording of advertisements because because i what am I, um one of my students at Cranfield University was, was doing a dissertation on that. And, and it's interesting, just the most basic adverts you know, for, for warehouse workers say you've got to be physically fit and speak kind of you know, good English. Now, actually, are either of those true? Because, you know, you might have someone who's, who thinks, oh, I've got to be pumping iron and going to the gym you know, 10 times a week who may be perfectly fit. To to be able to operate in a warehouse. And again, the ability to speak fluent English for many things. We could have, you know, picking by voice where it could be in many languages and so on. So <laughs> I think, you know, the most just people just don't even think about it often when they put in these adverts and have things which may put off a lot of good applications. Um and again, when you're asking for people to be sort of, you know, implying you've got to be super physically fit and strong clearly that can' again you know push off you know many people who who would otherwise apply so that um, that's interesting hearing about some of those those tools uh, Anna have you have you got any sort of top tips of, of things to help those uh, recruitment and retention policies
1: um, yes um, I have a more radical uh, or a more revolutionized approach because I believe um, the current times really require um, a very, very um, radical approach. I think the current recruitment policies, many of them are no longer uh, representing the reality. Uh, Otherwise, we would not have had a big reshuffle happening globally. Um, So I believe the recruitment really needs to be... Uh, partnering with the senior leadership and to totally revamp and uh, um, adjust the policies in order to reflect a more diverse and a more inclusive and a more equitable hiring and retainment process. Um, I worked for top organizations. Uh, When I look back... um, um I always as an as as a female working and uh, being ambitious and growing a career in supply chain and procurement I always had to overcome uh obstacles because I was a female and I was um, my accent was uh, not a, a native accent so um ethnic minority my gender, I always uh, had to overcome those obstacles and I'm talking about 20 years of career this is not recent for me yes I managed to grow a successful career however organizations now more than ever because it's it's a movement uh, that started with George Floyd in America yeah mm. so Co- companies really need to be honest and really senior leadership really need to, I think, to um, um, empower HR to really promote a people culture. Not a culture that uh, works for driving profits, a culture that helps people drive the profit. So this is a huge shift. Um, and companies really need to be, uh, you know, to, to, to run a climate, a climate assess, assessment. Um, our employees, do they feel appreciated? Do they feel included? Do they feel they have a future in our organ- organizations? Assess the results of, the, of um, that climate assess, assessment. Um, come up with recommendations to the senior leaders. The senior leaders, they really need to drive the change, as um, uh, Melanie said. They need to walk the talk. Uh, when I look back, I always was the exception, the, um, the other woman uh, with, who, who had something to say. So this needs to change. Uh, the senior boards needs to be more inclusive, they need to have people with disabilities, people from the, from the you know, um, be more inclusive and more diverse, yeah? And once they assess the recommendation, the senior leaders, they really need to champion and they really need to, uh, to uh, implement uh, reverse mentorings. So these are so, some uh, very concrete, uh, concrete, um, uh, tips and concrete techniques for companies how to to tackle um, recruitment and retention retention for diverse.
0: Thank you. No, that's a really useful um, a useful um, piece of advice there. Uh, just got turned out. There's a really interesting question from Kirsten Tisdale um, asking about flatter structures. So, so the fact that we've now got flatter structures in many organisations does that mean it makes it harder for people to kind of you know. Get promoted to um, get that um, get that experience, improve their salaries. I, I, I don't know, perhaps Liam, on, with with you. I don't know if Intel has been following that direction of moving to a flatter structure, and has that made
2: things harder or easier? Um, yeah, a certain amount of flatness in the structure, but then we're also growing globally. So you know, we can flatten it out to a certain extent, but we still have a, a have a need for. You know new teams to start up new new plants new operations globally we're diversifying supply base things like that so in terms of you know the you know people feeling the need i don't think we're necessarily seeing that you know having to move to a different company they're seeing new opportunities within intel so you know our biggest competition within my team anyway for example my biggest competition is the guy down the corridor from <laughs> you know so trying to retain internally that they're seeing that but we're doing different things like you know pay equity adjustment you know where we see for um, across the DNI spectrum. You know we look at okay, well, what are the peers being paid? So, you know, making sure we're we're flattening out the the pay structure. So if there's any disparity there from a a pay or rewards perspective, well, we 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 look to address that. Um, okay, it's easy for me to say Intel global company, huge might behind it of you know, mm-hmm. analysis and things we have, but you know we we can we can address it uh, that way. If someone still wants to move on. Then okay, look, we, you know, we didn't address their needs from the point of view of how what are they looking to to meet from a career perspective. You know, we're hoping it's not because you know they're looking to just get better money, but that that does happen, right, with the competition that's out there in the market. And Pascal, just going to pick up Liam quickly on one one point you said there, and, and if, say if you don't, if you prefer
0: not to answer, if you feel it's a bit too sensitive for for, for the, about Intel, but. Intel being such a global company, and you mentioned how how moves to other locations is, is is can be part of career development and so on. Is that a particular issue though for you know, women in the workplace who who, you know, it's just unfortunately that's the way it still is, who may still be, you know, feel they got a bigger sort of responsibility for childcare, or you know, maybe they got perhaps not as 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 senior a job as as their partner. So so is that something where you see women are less able to accept a global move an international move
2: than men um yeah i'm trying to think about that you know i i i just know what one example has come up we're starting up a new factory in germany and the person going in there our kind of logistics manager she's a female comes mm. from the u.s coming to germany to trying and experience life but we, we relocate her whole family mm. and her you know so it's about the package that you put you put in place for them okay if you're saying okay no sorry just you you know the rest of your family can say that well you know i wouldn't go myself no, <laughs> oh, no one not many people would you, you know so it, it, it's how you how you treat the employees in terms of the the structure you you put in place and you know if we want to we're looking at our supply chain talent we can't it's very hard to hire good talent particularly the experience that you have mm-hmm. so how do we utilize the talent we have better and maybe fulfill those senior roles in new locations with the talent that we have rather than trying to hire externally to bring in and then bring in the, the newer employees and try and have that, that those senior person that's come in, you know, they bring up and train and uh, develop the, the local employees.
3: Alice, yeah. Can I just add to that,
0: please?
2: Absolutely.
3: Yes. So that just reminds me, I was speaking to chief supply chain officer for a global FMCG and, yeah, you know, absolutely. It's like the dream leader and he's just, Talking about how they're looking to remove invisible barriers to women, things they hadn't been aware of. So to progress through their company, you need to have run a manufacturing plant at some point. That this just has to happen. Mm. But as you say, often um, male spouses partners are less willing to move than than women. So what do they do? How do they get these women that level? of experience so that they can they don't get stuck in the middle management and they can go all the way to the top and it's just identifying that and thinking okay let's find a a creative way to address this problem so that we don't lose these amazing women and we we keep them in and we are still able to um, retain them and promote them.
0: Uh, and so has that particular company found a creative way to do that?
3: Yeah, I can't
0: remember. I don't think so yet, but they're
3: working on it.
0: Mm, okay, <laughs> yeah.
3: At least he's talking about it. You know, this is the senior, my mm. senior guy saying, this is an issue, I'm trying to find a way to remove that barrier for women's progression. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah okay. Bloody
3: marvellous.
2: Yeah. And it's understanding a lot of those gaps. Like, you know, we survey our employees globally, and there's uh, 10 questions, all anonymous survey. Ten questions on diversity and inclusion, and they can they all respond you know a scale of one to five, mm-hmm. and it can sometimes be unpleasant reading you know particularly you know you'll get individualised for yourself as a manager what your team say whatever number of employees you have, and you see the scores, and you know it, those managers that aren't walking the walk in terms of diversity and inclusion, you know questions will be asked, um, you know so those metrics that you spoke about that drives action. The managers mm. then have to make sure they have an inclusive uh, organization and develop them that and put the, the action plans in place to to encourage that.
0: Mm. Thanks Liam. We, we've got
2: an interesting question from Eshwar
0: um, which is about what kind of collaboration is taking place between industry and academia in, in terms of improving inclusion and diversity. So, so Anna I think you mentioned you, mm. that you, you, you teach at uh, the University of Sussex. Um, so, so are you seeing collaboration between industry and academia?
1: Whilst I was uh, still um, uh, in the corporate world, I remember uh, because I was lecturing at the University of Sussex about um, a career, about uh, professional and personal development uh, skills, about diversity and inclusion. I remember um, one uh, gentleman, he stopped after uh, the lecture. Uh, he stopped and he said, "Anna Maria, uh, sorry, I uh, can I bother you with one question? Do you think that um, do you do you have any vacancy uh, in your team?" And I was like, uh, "He was so genuine, and so um, blunt, and so um, yeah, uh, keen to secure a, a role in the company I was working for." So it was so refreshing, and I said, uh, n- "Not in my team, but l- leave it with me." So I remember that uh, example, and I remember immediately I connected with uh, the supply chain uh, uh, leadership, and we created a unique uh, opportunity for for him because he was the best um, uh, student in his uh, you know uh, year. So, and uh, that was the beginning of a long collaboration between the company and the university. So Mm -hmm. I think the more it's about role modeling at the end of the day, yes, the companies can do how much they can do. Uh, we work for companies and with the companies so each and every one of us can be a role model and without any intention I was role modeling uh, in the university so I think now more than ever more companies are uh, trying to you know uh, to send guest speakers And to be very present either with work um how do you call it the jobs fair uh with the universities in order to you know enable um um that partnership i think this is a great question and companies have more to do but each and every one of us can can do more and go and um uh, offer a guest um uh, speaking session to uh, any university.
3: Yeah, we um, we ran a manufacturing panel discussion, a lot like this, but it was with four women who all run manufacturing plants around the world. And one of the key things to get more women into manufacturing, but it's true for into any supply chain, is to they recognize that they were role models. And even though one of them was, self, you know, she said, I hate, I hate being in the limelight. I don't want to do it. But she goes and talks to students at all the local universities just to say hello i'm out here i'm a woman i'm in manufacturing she i mean she's completely obsessed with it she loves it and it's getting those people from your company you know and it's it's getting the women and minorities people um, employees out there saying you know you don't have to talk even about the d and i just being there and representing that minority is is enough and saying I love this industry. Come and join me. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's very really powerful. So like, you know, it. You see
0: can... it. See yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. Uh, and Liam, you know, do, do you do, do you sort of have any any collaboration with academia with? Uh, university? Yeah, well,
2: it... we do, we do particularly in the US um, and 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 in Asia where we are collaborating with uh, particular universities and we're taking in intern students it's a find it's a great way to you know one to give people experience um but also then for us to develop f- future talent pipeline mm-hmm. um you, you know so the, the my own experience of it is we, we've i brought in you know uh, this year I was in costa rica brought in a couple of supply chain um to females and Unfortunately, OK, we, we had a hiring freeze at the same time, but, you know, they're developing their career and they've, one of them, she's she's moved on into a new role, but into a consulting role with one of the consulting firms. So, you know, it, it is about giving them that that foothold on the ladder, developing some um, experience and, you know, it's it's, you know, somewhat giving back to industry. But we're getting something out of it, too. Right. So mm. we're getting um, you know employees that can contribute to us. Thank you, yeah. well, I'm conscious we're, we're' we're
0: reaching the end of um of our time, and um a, a lot of very, very interesting comments from from all of you. so so thank you so much for for taking part, um Anna Maria Velika from uh, Green Apples Career, Liam Costello from Intel and Melanie Sauter from Boom Global Network. Our next topic in a week's no, is it a week's time? It's uh, no less than a week's time on Monday, the twenty sixth of September at 4pm is all around designing a supply chain network that meets your business objectives so i hope your um many of you will join us there and um uh thank you again for taking part today oh and um our our normal recognition of 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 contributions. so um i think today's supply chain talk mug will go to kirsten tisdale um for for her interesting question so thank you kirsten and um thank all thank you all of you for taking part so until next time goodbye bye bye
1: thank you thank you